Hello and welcome to our Easter Sunday episode for the 2020 Holy Week series. This is our final episode in the series, and the sermon is going to be longer than the previous messages, so hopefully you'll be able to stay focused the whole time, but if not, I don't blame you. So, here we are. 1 Corinthians. We'll start just by reading 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 24. A classic Easter text. The Apostle Paul writes, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God, because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God, God the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power. Alright, so there's a lot in that passage, and I won't be able to touch on everything, um, but I wanted to tell, talk about a few things. And to start with, I want to say that I can really relate to the Apostle Paul as a very passionate person. And I know that I have said or written things with great passion and conviction, only to have new information come to light later on that changes my perspective significantly. That can be embarrassing, but I've come to realize that there is no shame in changing your mind to incorporate new information. In fact, it's really important to learn how to do it with a gracious attitude. Now, I think that today, 2,000 years after Paul wrote the passage we just read, we have a bit more information, wouldn't you agree? I mean, really, we have so much more information, it actually boggles the mind. So there's no shame in saying that what Paul said was only part of the story. And we can see now that there's a lot more to it. So today, we're going to consider first what we know that Paul did not know. Then we're going to discuss where Paul was mistaken. And then what he was right about. And finally, what it means for us in our everyday lives. So here's a list of some things we know today that Paul did not know. First, I want to revisit briefly what I talked about on Monday, that the brain has two distinct ways of knowing associated with the left and the right hemispheres of the brain, or at least so goes the theory that we talked about. So there's the left hemisphere, which has the more logical, scientific way of thinking, and the spiritual, relational way, a uh, way of knowing that is represented by the right hemisphere of the brain. And we mentioned on Monday that the logical way is not sufficient by itself for understanding the world. And we talked about a little bit how important it is to integrate the right hemisphere's way of knowing. But we didn't yet discuss that the spiritual way of knowing 
apparently does not tell us things with scientific accuracy, or at least not always. Now, on occasion, spiritual experiences can give shockingly accurate details about specific events. Now, that does happen. But oftentimes, what we know through spiritual experience is symbolic, or it comes in the form of a metaphor. And it can be tricky to map the meaning of that spiritual experience of that spiritual experience into logical terminology. So there's that. There is this distinction between these two ways of knowing, and they're, they're not the same, and they don't tell us the same kinds of things. Also, another thing that we know that Paul didn't know is the history of belief in the afterlife across many times and many places. And we know now that there have been a lot of different belief systems built, uh, and probably they all were developed based on genuine spiritual experiences that people had, and they were just doing their best to interpret those. But again, what people experience and these tremendous insights that people can gain about death they do tend to be symbolic and metaphoric, metaphorical, and not always uh, something that is easy to pin down exactly what it means. Additionally, today we have accounts of near-death experiences. We have alleged recollections of past lives and even of the time between incarnations. We have accounts of supposed communications received from people's loved ones who've passed on. We also realize today that the brain itself can create vivid sensory experiences that appear to be, as far as we know, internally generated, that are not actually based on external stimulation. So all of these things give us a much broader perspective, and I would say that they demonstrate pretty clearly, taken together, that we don't have scientific data on what happens after death, but we do have a wealth of spiritual experiences that come from many cultures, many time periods. And these do seem to speak to something that's really happening. So there does seem to be some evidence, at least anecdotal evidence, for the reality of heaven and reincarnation. Although, ultimately, it is anecdotal evidence, it's not proof. And so we may really not be able to understand completely what is behind these experiences. Maybe not yet, maybe not ever. There's a lot that we just don't know. So I think that Paul was too quick to try to reason his way from spiritual experience to logical conclusions, as are many people today. So this brings me to what Paul got wrong. Paul thought that Jesus must have been raised in a physical body because of his belief that Jesus was about to come back and initiate the resurrection of others. That didn't happen. He thought, as people did during that time, that this was supposed to happen within the lifetimes of people who had known Jesus before his death. And we know for a fact that that did not happen. So I think we can reasonably reinterpret the sightings of Jesus that happened after his death. You know, the people in the New Testament were doing their best to interpret what had happened, uh, but they don't, like I said, they don't have as much information as we do. Now, I do think that there really were people who saw Jesus after his death. These were real 
real events of people seeing him. And obviously they were not hallucinations of people who were mentally ill. Not at all. They were profoundly inspiring experiences. And to my mind, that means that at least in some sense, they were real. Now, I don't know exactly what was happening, but it could be that these vivid visions that people had of Jesus after his death could have been either Jesus' spirit communicating with people, or it could be that the strength of Jesus' message and of Jesus' teaching was so powerful that the disciples' unconscious minds created these compelling visions of him as a way of reassuring them that Jesus would live on through their continuation of his work. And that was absolutely true. That you can believe, you know, you don't have to believe. You, you can just see the evidence that it has happened. Jesus has lived on in that way, unquestionably. And by the way, those two things that I mentioned, either that, you know, Jesus' actual spirit was behind these, or that it was the the disciples' unconscious minds creating the experience, that doesn't have to be an either-or. It actually could be a both-and, which I'm inclined to believe is closest to the truth, but you can draw your own conclusions. So, anyway, that's what I think Paul got wrong, was to think it had to have been that Jesus was physically resurrected. And here's what I think that Paul got right. So his point was that if we have no hope of the resurrection, then all of our hard work in this life is for nothing. That if our personal lives are not part of a larger story, not part of this bigger picture, then it's all meaningless. And I think he was right about that. But he was too narrow in his understanding of how we are connected to that bigger story arc. Because another thing we know today that Paul could not have known is how Jesus' life and his message went on to touch the lives of millions and millions of people after his death. I mean, at the time of Paul's writing, the church was just a handful of communities plagued by infighting and persecuted by the authorities, rejected as heretics. So perhaps they needed something like the doctrine of the resurrection just to keep them going. I almost think of it as like training wheels on a bike, and it's okay for them to come off now because now we know. We know that the power of Jesus' teaching has extended far beyond his lifetime. And so we know that as we become like Jesus, and as we make sacrifices ourselves to demonstrate God's love to others, then our lives will likewise have an effect that continues on well beyond our lifetime. And that is something worth living for. And that is something worth taking risks to accomplish. It's worth our dedication and our commitment. So here's what I think this all means for our lives today. I'm going to make a suggestion that might sound morbid to some of you, but I think it can really be a good thing to think about your death every now and then. And especially at Easter time, and especially this year, when there's a more immediate threat of death than there is normally. So anytime that you feel anxious about something dangerous, like COVID-19, 
or perhaps car accidents, you know, cancer, whatever. It could be an occasion to remember that someday you will die, and it may be sooner than you think, and what you contribute now will be what's left in the world after you're gone. The more you can maintain this perspective of what the consequences of your life will be after you've died, the more you may feel a sense of purpose. The more you might live very responsibly and with great care, both for those who are alive today and also for future generations. So I encourage you to practice thinking about your death with an open and quiet mind, a meditative mind. And when you think about your death, you can allow your thoughts to arise spontaneously, not trying to censor yourself. And you might consider how you feel about the legacy that you'll leave behind. And you can consider how much you feel a connection with a larger reality beyond yourself. And how much you're willing to trust in the mystery of that greater reality. In fact, you might even ask yourself whether you know in your heart where you have come from and where you're returning. See, to me now, that, that brings a profound sense of peace. So, we'll conclude by taking some deep breaths together. And actually, I'm going to play a singing bowl, a singing bowl for you. So I'll strike the side of the bowl and it'll ring for a little bit. And as it quiets, then you can let your mind get quiet. And as your mind quiets, you can either just let your mind be still, or you can feel your connection to a greater reality, or whatever seems best. Okay, so let me get my singing bowl here. And you can keep breathing deeply. And now we'll sing the uh, classic Easter hymn, maybe the greatest Easter hymn that was ever written. Christ the Lord is risen today. Oh 
Just pray together. Dear God, thank you for the what is life. And thank you that despite his being killed, even brutally, that even so his message has reached us. His message has reached so many, those to whom it was given who have passed it on to to us. We thank you for the love that continues to flow from his service. And we pray that our lives too may be given and dedicated to you. That we also may give such that our giving will continue beyond our deaths to serve those who are yet to come. We thank you for this marvelous opportunity to live and to serve. We pray that each day we would remember why we're here, that we live not just for ourselves, but for you, to whom we know that we will return. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you all so much for listening, and we will... See you with the, or, you know, we'll, we'll be back with the next series uh, at some point. Okay, God bless.